relevant, and fun. Each episode, we'll discuss one classic book and share some recommendations for more contemporary reads that feature similar themes. As two nerdy bookworms, we appreciate the role of classic lit, but we won't get too academic about it. We'll talk about the books we love and the books we loathe, and help stock your TBR pile with old and new reads for every literary taste. Hey, Chelsea. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I am good. I am really looking forward to today's book chat. These are some of my favorite episodes to record. Mine too. I love them. Today we're talking about our best books. I guess, I mean, I I read a lot of good (laughs) books in the fall. Some of our favorite books. That's maybe a better way to put it. We're talking about some of our favorite books from the last few months. This is our fall quarterly wrap up and we will also do a little bit of reflecting on the podcast and some episodes that we loved. But before we get started... We have to tell you about a podcast, almost a little bit like a sister podcast, that's full of pure escapism and fun. As a reader who's been leaning super heavily on romance over the last few months, which you'll definitely hear about later, I'm really excited to tell you about this one. Heaving Bosoms is a romance readers podcast in which two best friends, Erin in Alaska and Melody in New Jersey, gush, giggle, snark, and snort their way through a different romance novel each week. You'll love listening to Erin and Melody break down every romance trope and subgenre they can. Ballrooms, billionaires, aliens, Bigfoots, and more. <laughs> yeah, and as a new romance reader, the best part to me is you don't actually have to be a big romance reader yourself or read the books they recap because they tell you the story scene by scene while adding their own comedic flair. While they unabashedly love the romance genre, they don't take themselves or the genre too seriously. The recaps come with a heaping dose of unconditional friendship, open-hearted feminism, and hilarious tangents. From Tessa Dare to Alyssa Cole to Sarah J. Maas, Aaron and Mel are tackling every kind of smooching book they can find. We recommend starting with episode 30, The Hating Game by Sally Thorne, which is actually one of my favorite romance novels, or if you want to jump straight into the deep end, episode 38, Mastered by Her Mates by Grace Goodwin. Just don't listen around the kids because like your favorite books, these two can get a little explicit. You can find Heaving Bosoms on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. Yes, and Chelsea, I am so excited to hear some of your romance recommendations because now that I am done reading Aspen Lit submissions, all I want is fun books, romance, fantasy, YA. That's like all I want to read these days. Yes, a lot of my fall books lean into that fun category, so I'm really excited to share them. But let's do our reflections first before we get into these book titles. So we like to take a look back at our fall season and talk about our favorite episode and our favorite classic book that we read. So I just pulled them up so I can see what we tackled because we did a lot. I was just going to do the same. I couldn't remember (laughs) all of the books that we've covered. Although I can like say off the top of my head that Our episode talking about the autobiography of Malcolm X with Tracy is definitely one of my favorite episodes we've done so far. 
Oh, yeah. That is definitely my favorite, like, core book discussion episode. And then I also really enjoyed, oh, man, I really liked talking about campus novels, and I really enjoyed talking to Courtney and sharing our fall pairings with the book recommendations and the fall activities. That was so fun. Oh, that was so fun. I loved talking with Courtney. We got so many good book recommendations from her. She reads a lot of things that I haven't heard of, and so that was particularly fun. I liked our gift guide episode. I love coming up with gift ideas. I don't have too many like close readers in my life that I'm gifting, so it was fun to imagine what I would gift all of the readers in my life. (laughs) I agree. I also really liked talking about The Crucible. That was just a fun one, and I loved reading love medicine because mm-hmm. as anticipated, I think I found a new favorite author in Louise Erdrich. Yeah, that might have been my favorite book that we read. Although that's tough because the autobiography of Malcolm X is just one of my favorite, like that was one of my favorites already and mm-hmm. that hasn't changed. So it's hard to pick a favorite book, but Love Medicine and Malcolm X are definitely up there for me. Yeah, it was a good fall season. And I I think we kind of pitched it as a back to school season. And I really enjoyed getting to think about what makes a good book for the classroom, even though I'm not teaching Mm -hmm. this year. And I think there were some surprises in here. Like, I think I anticipated going into the crucible and Frankenstein thinking like these are books that should be tossed and I don't know my enjoyment of them was kind of (laughs) renewed by discussing them yeah I I really liked our framing and the fact that we got to talk a little bit more about our high school reading experiences and what we hope to see in high school classrooms in the future, it definitely got me thinking just on my own about if I step foot back in the classroom, what might that look like? What might I be bringing with me or wanting to change? And yeah, it's been fun to think about for sure. Yeah, the back to school nature of the season was super fun. And we have a fun kind of theme in mind for winter too. So make sure you Stick around to the end of this episode. We'll tell you more about our winter season and and the books we have coming up for you. Okay. Should we talk about the books that we both read first? Yes. And I'm looking at our outline and some of these I don't think I realized or remembered that we had both read. So I am super excited. I always love this part. It's like a mini book club. I know. And... It, I don't know, it always surprises me, and I shouldn't be surprised that we have so much overlap because, of course, we're talking about books on the podcast all the time, mm-hmm. but I always get surprised. So, yeah. all right, let's dive into these. Okay, one I know we both loved was Transcendent Kingdom by Yaa Jesse. And this was, I mean, this was one of our mutual most anticipated books of 2020 because we both love and adore homegoing and I was blown away by how 
different Transcendent Kingdom is from Homegoing, but how equally powerful it is in a completely different way. I loved it. And it's not the type of book that I always love. It's a very quiet, character-driven novel. And I I like those, but they're more like one-offs for me. It's Mm -hmm. not like a consistently, like I always love that type of book. It really has, like the characters, if I'm going to be in that like quiet, focused on them space, I really have to connect with them. Mm -hmm. And in this case, I did. I Mm -hmm. loved, loved Gifty. And I think I still think about her at least once a week, just because a lot of the questions that she's asking in Transcendent Kingdom, I feel like, I feel like I've been asking too. And just, it's totally a case of the right book finding you at the right time. And I loved it. And I actually listened to this one on audio. Oh. And it was um, it was narrated by Bonnie Turpin, who is a fantastic audiobook narrator. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. And something I'm realizing with character-driven novels is that I really do like to listen to them on audio. And I agree. so maybe that's just the key for those books for me. I think I would have really enjoyed this one on paper as well, but I'm glad that I listened to it first and I would love to reread it, but I've really enjoyed the audiobook. Yeah, it's fantastic. And and this is totally my genre and I think this is a particularly fantastic one. And I have noticed this is the first year I've read nearly as many new releases. I normally don't read as many new releases as I did this year. And one thing that's been fun with that is seeing patterns show up in the books being published. And I I read quite a few books about the kind of tug between like faith and science and how um, how science and our reliance on technology is impacting our humanity. And I just, I think that this one doesn't really get into the tech stuff, but that tug between faith and science was so stunning and just so well done. And um, that one is on the Aspen Words long list. Yes, it is. Which I'm very happy about. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I was rooting for that one. (laughs) This next one is too, right? Yes, it is. Leave the World Behind by Ruman Alam. I didn't know that you read this one too, so I'm really excited to hear your thoughts. I loved this one. I thought it was so eerie and layered and nuanced. It's about a family who is on vacation when basically when something apocalyptic starts happening and they have to share their Airbnb that they've rented with the owners and that creates a lot of tension and there's just so much tension in this book and not much happens and that I think it's just a sign of how gifted a writer Ruman Alam is. But I will also say this is one that I read very quickly and in the midst of a lot of other books. And so I really want to go back and reread it because I don't think that I fully have unpacked it or even reflected on it as much as I want to. What did you think of this one? I liked it. I don't think I loved it. But I don't know if that's a case of... 
not loving the eerie tone and the icky feeling that it gave me or if if it's something else I did listen to it on audio so I mean when you listen to it versus read it I always feel like format sometimes Mm -hmm. plays a part I found myself wishing that the characters were characters instead of feeling like everyone was just a metaphor Mm -hmm. I enjoy that like I enjoy when an author is really doing something allegorical and using a lot of, you know, the the fun literary fiction things, right? But I prefer books where the characters feel like real people rather than um, symbols or like just, you know, a way to communicate a message. Mm-hmm. So I can admire the craft and the um, I can admire Alam's writing for sure, but it was not my favorite. I think it would make a really great book club read because there's so much to debate and talk about. Oh, yeah. Great book club read. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, he offers a lot of specific and, I don't know, just observant details about each of the characters in a way that makes them feel real. But you're so right that you don't really get to know them as as real people. It also is going to be a movie. So I'm excited about that. I think it's going to be a great movie. Just visually, some of the scenes I can't wait to see brought to life on the screen. I think that this next one got some film adaptation rights as well. Those have just been flying. Everybody's scooping up books to adapt right now. (laughs) Yeah, I guess because um, no one's actually making movies right now. (laughs) Yeah, And people are just reading and like, well, we'll stockpile these for the future. But yeah, I cannot wait to see Mexican Gothic by Silvia Moreno-Garcia come to life as well. This was... This is another one that I don't know if I missed stuff because I was listening to it on audio. I don't think I loved it as much as everyone else did. (laughs) I didn't love it as much as everyone else did either. The twist was wild, right? Yes. And (laughs) I didn't like the ending. Mm -mm. And maybe it was I hyped it because it was a very like hyped book. I did, I mean, I really liked the the atmosphere, and I think that Sylvia Moreno-Garcia is a great author, and I want to read more by her, but this one was just okay for me, and I'm, I'm not big into creepy books anyway, so I know that some people who are more horror fans might have loved this one differently, but it, it was just okay, but again... I think it'd be a great book club book. Oh, yeah. It'd be a great book club book. Even if you end up not loving it, it's fun to read a book in the gothic tradition that also is doing something very different. Like, I I enjoyed that even though I didn't love this book. I I also – I do think it'll make a great movie. Mm -hmm. I I mean – yeah. Better than the be. new Rebecca. I was just thinking that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's, it, I loved the literary references and the nods to those gothic literary traditions. Yeah, definitely better than the new Rebecca movie. <laughs> yeah, totally. Another one we both read, a debut novel, and I think it's on the um, Center for Fiction's long list for best debuts of the year, was Luster by Raven Leilani. I 
really enjoyed this one. It reminded me a lot of Sally Rooney. And similarly, it's one of those books that I was so absorbed in while I was reading it. I think Leilani's voice is absolutely remarkable and some sentences were just arresting like I had to stop and reread them and then I haven't really thought about it much since I finished it so it didn't necessarily have staying power with me but I really enjoyed it how about you that's a really good way to put it because yeah I feel the same like I so I listened to it on audio I really loved the narrator Mm. she did a fantastic job I thought, holy crap, this author can write. And yeah, I I definitely have not been thinking about it since the same way that I've been thinking about Transcendent Kingdom, where it felt like I listened to that book, it became a part of me. This book was like, wow, sucked in, absorbed, fascinated, creeped out, but not, yeah, it didn't, it didn't stick, but oh my goodness, I will definitely pick up anything else that she writes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. She's an amazing writer. Um, can't wait to see what what she does next. And like, I, I very much think this book is worth picking up. It's about a, a young woman in her 20s who gets involved in an older couple's open marriage. And yeah, it, it gave me a lot of, like if you liked normal people in particular or mm-hmm. Conversations with Friends, Sally Rooney's other book, um, definitely pick up luster and you can read it in a day it's it's very short I also think that there's stuff that I missed being a white reader reading a book about a young black woman like who is involved in this really complicated relationship where there are all sorts of dynamics that I am maybe not the best reader to absolutely Mm -hmm. understand so that could be part of why the book didn't necessarily stick with me so I'll definitely own up to that being a me problem and not the book at all. Yeah, yeah, I think that 100% and also not being in my early 20s anymore or in my 20s at all in my case. But yeah, I I think this book was great. I cannot wait to see what she does next. There were a couple of books this season that I read for the first time, but you had read them prior. So we got to chat about them a little bit as I was reading them. The first one was Never Let Me Go, which is one of your favorite books of all time. And I read that one and I really, really enjoyed it. Oh, I'm so glad. That book is so fascinating. And it's the premise that ultimately, you know, comes to the surface is so unusual and eerie and all of that. But it also is a quiet, introspective book and just the way Kazuo Ishiguro balances those two kind of types of books he's writing um he he has great restraint in his writing and and through that I think manages to do some really interesting commentary I haven't watched the movie have you seen the movie yeah it's good maybe I'll have to watch it yeah The other one that I read that you had read previously, and I texted you right after I finished it and said, what the F, that ending, Yep, is The Other Typist by Suzanne Rindle, and that ending, what happened? I don't know. And I have to, like, I mean, I probably should have warned you and more, like, the twist ending is 
mind-blowing, but also confusing. So I can see how some readers would like just throw this book across the room and be like, WTF. But Mm -hmm. I think it's like bendy and wild and the ending didn't ruin it for me. But I know that Kira Knightley acquired the rights to this one and like right when it first came out. So it's been a while and I don't, I haven't heard anything since then. I would like to see a film version and see what the director decides to make of the ending. Oh, that would be interesting. Uh, It's really kind of similar to Passing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it it would be a great pairing, like a, consider this a bonus pairing, where you follow this relationship and the ending just, you can ask so many questions and have a thousand different answers and not know. I thought that was part of the fun. Like, I kind of liked that. And I'm glad that we got to talk about it because it's definitely a book that you need to like go over with someone good book club book again yes I completely agree it's so fun to talk about it also yeah I think I paired it with Gatsby because Mm -hmm. of the um setting but yeah I definitely pairs very well with passing and um I think you know like talented Mr. Ripley or Social Creature or um, Tangerine. There are lots of books out there that are reminiscent of this one, but because I love the 1920s New York setting, this one is is kind of the winner for me of those. I really liked it. I'm glad that I got to read it and talk about it a little bit with you and notice the Gatsby connections because the author's note actually says, like, thanks to Gatsby and all the influence over this book so yeah it was a fun one. like little details like the two girls in the party at wearing yellow dresses and like it's, yeah. it's fun if you're if you love Gatsby all right Chelsea well you listened to quite a few of the books we just talked about on audio you know listeners that we are huge fans of Libro FM over here so we always have to shout them out and give them some love what else are you listening to on Libro right now Chelsea I'm listening to The Dead Are Arising, which is a super detailed journalistic look at the life of Malcolm X, and that one is really good. I listened to, gosh, of the books that we already talked about, I think all of them, all, mm, no, four of them, I listened to on Libro FM. Amazing. I love them so much. Libro FM is fabulous. I feel like because I'm supporting independent bookstores, I feel really good about my audiobook listening habit. Mm-hmm. I listen to so many audiobooks each month, partly because Libro.fm's app is just really easy to use, and it is something that makes such a huge difference in my reading life. I'm pretty sure that I can think of at least two people that I will be giving Libro.fm gift subscriptions to for this holiday season. Yeah, it's such a great gift. And as we're recording and over the next couple of weeks, COVID cases are rising around the country and it's very, very likely that lots of states and cities are going to be returning to lockdown. And so that's going to be tough for indie bookstores heading into the holiday season. And a Libro FM gift membership is a fantastic way to 
give your favorite reader something they will love and support indie bookstores. And one thing that's really cool is you can gift one, three, six, or 12-month memberships. And once you gift it to the recipient, they get to choose what indie bookstore they support with their membership, which is a which is an extra special gift. We have links in the show notes so that you can get either a membership for yourself, two audiobooks for the price of one, or send a gift membership to a loved one, or you can go to Libro FM, that's L-I-B-R-O dot FM, and you can use the code novel pairings at the checkout. All right, Chelsea. So we kind of already gave a caveat at the top of our episode. I think we both have a hard time saying like best books or even favorite books from the season. We both read a ton this fall, but we're each going to be sharing five books that we read this season that we loved. And I know for me, I also wanted to share some things that I haven't seen around as much and that I think our listeners will love. So what is one of your favorites from the last few months, Chelsea? All right, this is a romance novel. It is Like Lovers Do by Tracy Livesey. And if you love Jasmine Guillory books, you need to pick this one up. It's very Jasmine Guillory-esque, where we have two people who are really career-focused and driven, and they have to navigate that in terms of their relationship. So... Dr. Nicole Allen is an accomplished surgeon, and she is actually in charge of a bunch of students at the hospital where she works, and there is a student whose family money kind of like puts her in a tough position and almost gets her in trouble, and her dear friend and roommate, who also happens to be really hot... (laughs) Um, says like, hey, well, come on this getaway with me. I could use your help too. Do you want to pose as my girlfriend? And I'm not explaining this super well. It's a friends to lovers romance. There's a little bit of fake relationship tossed in there. And of course, they go on this trip and develop very real feelings for each other. There's a really hot scene on a hammock. So that's something to look forward to. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just really, really good. I thought that the the romance felt real and down to earth. And it really, really reminded me of Jasmine Guillory's books. We have an interracial relationship. Like I said, two really super career-driven people who are navigating what it means to fall in love with each other and have important jobs waiting for them that kind of clash. And I just really, really loved this one. It's part of a series. I haven't read the first one, but it's the Girls Trip series. And so it's about like each character in this series, just like Jasmine Guillory's books, how they're connected. We have this group of girlfriends and they go on a girl trip, girls trip each year. And then the stories sort of stem off from there. So it's really fun to have that sweet friendship element and have characters pop in to the different books. So if you are waiting for the next Jasmine Guillory and you have have a hole in your heart, Like Lovers Do by Tracy Livesey is a really good one to pick up. That sounds great. Did you listen to that one on audio or did you read that one? 
Uh, audio. Most, <laughs> almost all of the books that I'm mentioning are audio. I read so much. It was just a really audio heavy fall for me. So it was great on audio. You've been going on a lot of beautiful fall hikes with Penny, I know. Yes, yes. We like to listen to audiobooks as we walk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to hear about your books. What's one of your favorites, Sarah? So this fall I read On Beauty by Zadie Smith. I mentioned that at the end of our campus novels episode as being a campus novel that I hoped to read soon. And so I chose it as the first book that I read with my Fiction Matters Patreon book club. And because my patrons were saying they were in the mood for something, for a campus novel, but also something kind of classic. And this one is going to be a classic. So I didn't realize going in that On Beauty is based on Howard's End, uh, which is a classic British novel by Ian Forrester. I haven't read Howard's End, but I love novels of manners. And this is very much a novel of manners set in the world of academia, where um, the unspoken rules are very important for characters' success. And so we have these two competing academics, uh, Howard and Monty, one of whom, both of whom are like lecturers in aesthetics and what makes something beautiful. And one is very conservative. The other is very liberal. One is black, one is white, one is British, one is American, and they just butt heads. And their families become intertwined when Howard's son falls for Monty's daughter and then even furthermore, when Monty takes a fellowship position at Howard's University. And this book, it's just so layered and complex. It's not a traditional campus novel. It focuses much more on the professors, and it expands away from the campus to look at the town and the community as a whole. But the commentary it was making on race and class in academia were just so interesting, but also in this really smart, satirical, novel of manners sort of way. Actually, Zadie Smith's voice reminded me a lot of Jane Austen's. So I just adore this one. I also read it uh, side by side with her new essay collection, Intimations, which she wrote during COVID lockdowns. And so that was really cool too, to kind of be reading what she's been thinking about now, along with one of her older, On Beauty, I believe is about 15 years old, one of her older celebrated novels. I really loved seeing everyone's responses as they were reading it along for your book club and getting super excited about that one. So I'm glad that you enjoyed it and that it went over well. Yeah, it was fun. And of course, like getting to talk to people about it. And we had an actual like Google Hangouts book club to talk about it was super fun. That definitely enhanced the experience. All right, Chelsea, what is your next favorite? This one is just pure fun. Actually, a lot of the books that I'm talking about are pure fun. The The books that we both read, that was like my literary fiction <laughs> for for the fall. And then these were really my escapist reads. So another audiobook. Now That I've Found You by Christina Forrest. And I love Christina Forrest. She's an author that I 
have my eye on. She's one to watch in the young adult space. Her first book was I Want to Be Where You Are, and I loved that one so much. So I was really looking forward to Now That I Found You. It is just cute. It's cute. I mean, I couldn't stop listening to it. I would think it's a page turner. There's like this mystery element to it. But gosh, it's just adorable. I don't don't even know what else to say about it. So it's about (laughs) this 18-year-old girl. Her name is Evie Jones, and she is like ready to be a big Hollywood star. I pictured Zendaya or Zendaya when I was reading this. That's who she was in my head. And Evie's grandmother was a big movie star as well and she's super famous and well known so Evie wants to sort of follow in her footsteps and things go awry with Evie's acting career and so she goes to visit her grandmother in New York City and all of a sudden her grandma Gigi disappears and she doesn't know where she is and so with the help of Milo, who is a boy that's friends with her grandmother, happens to be very cute. Um, Evie and Milo sort of run around the city and search for her grandmother, and there is a really lovely coming-of-age element to this story. There's just the right amount of romance. Like I said, it's kind of a mystery because you're trying to solve the puzzle of where her grandmother disappeared to, and then there's just this great theme of the balance between having passion for your career and being confident in your own identity. There's just so much going on in this sweet YA story. And I think that Christina Forrest just does a great job of writing books where the characters, like crappy things happen, but you know that they're going to be okay and they're plucky and sassy and I I really really loved this one so that's now that I found you by Christina Forrest that sounds great and I think we've talked about this before but I really enjoy YA with slightly older characters like 17 18 yeah yeah and I've seen I think that's a trend I've seen way more of those stories coming out and I I just think it's really fun. I mean, they get a little bit more freedom. Like this 18-year-old gets to run around New York City by Mm -hmm. herself, and it's not a big deal, right? And she gets to be a Hollywood star. There's like this whole element of her life as an adult beginning. It's just, it was a really fun age to read about. So yeah, I agree. The older YA protagonists are are really killing it these days. Oh, yeah. (laughs) What is up next on your list? All right, so I I debated holding off on this one because I'm sure I'm going to want to talk about it when we do our fairy tale TBR toppler, our fairy tale retellings. We have that kind of in the back of our mind as something we want to do this winter, but I want people to read it now, so I'm going to talk about it now, and then I'll talk about it again. So it is Girl Serpent Thorn by Melissa Basher Deust. I loved this book. I read it in the midst of lots of Aspen words reading, and it just, it's not that it's super light or fluffy, like it is a kind of intense YA fantasy, but it completely swept me away, and I just felt like I was living in this beautifully constructed world. So the book is based on a Persian fairy tale, 
And it's about a princess named Soraya who is poisoned to the touch. And so she's lived her whole life not being able to touch anyone because if she touches them, they they will die. And she spends most of her time kind of locked in this tower. She doesn't get to travel with the royal family when they make their tours. She has to wear these gloves and cover, you know, every inch of her skin when she goes out. And she is just incredibly lonely because of that. And at the onset of the novel, she learns that her brother, on his way back from a most, his most recent expedition, has captured a demon and is holding this demon in the dungeon. And Soraya decides she needs to go talk to this demon because it was a demon who cursed her to make her poison. And she wants to find out more about her curse. And she does find more out about her curse and there are all of these mysteries and things aren't what she thought and she kind of starts to both relish her power but also really long to be set free of it and that conflict is fascinating. There is a just absolutely to die for romance in this that's kind of twisty and unexpected and beautiful. I loved this one. It has such a pretty cover, which is another great reason to add it to your bookshelf. So that is Girl Serpent Thorn by Melissa basher Deust. I have that one sitting in my Libro FMQ. Oh, I'm I excited. bet it's great on audio as well. Yeah. I'm excited to listen to it. Sometimes I can't do fantasy on audio, so we'll see. I'm going to try it. Mm-hmm. But it's one I definitely want to read. And it is more... Um, fairy tale feeling than fantasy mm-hmm. just the tone of the book and the pacing and the way she introduces you to the concepts feels more like a fairy tale to me um rather than heavy fantasy so i think i think this will be the kind of fantasy you like i think so too it's funny that you said it's a book that you didn't necessarily want to mention this episode because you want to save it, because that's how I feel about my next book. (laughs) I know, I know that I will bring this up as a pairing at some point, but I just loved it so much I couldn't keep it, keep it in. So The Next Great Jane by K.L. Going is a fabulous middle grade novel. I read it all in one sitting. I stayed up past my bedtime to finish it. And it is a Jane Austen inspired delightful mashup of Pride and Prejudice and Emma, mostly those. And it's about Jane Brannan, and she wants to be a famous author, and she wants to be the next great Jane, like Jane Austen. So she's really excited when J.E. Fairfax, a famous author, comes to visit her (laughs) tiny town. She lives in this small town in Maine. Her dad is a marine biologist, and she feels like nothing exciting ever happens in her small town. But this famous author comes to town, and then a storm blows in, and Jane gets stuck with the author's rude and snobby son. And as if that weren't enough drama, Jane's mother and her new fiancé have flown from Hollywood to come and visit Jane, and basically her mother, who's been somewhat estranged and who left 
their family wants Jane in their lives now. And so Jane is dealing with a lot, but there are such fun nods to Jane Austen. I thought that the way that they're incorporated in the story is so clever. The setting of this book is super cute. And I just thought that Jane Brannon was such a plucky heroine, someone to root for. And I know that I'll definitely bring this up as an Austin pairing at some point, but I loved it too much to keep it in. There are just, I feel like you could read it three times and find a fun Jane Austen nugget every time that you read it. It was just so cute. And middle grade is so comforting right now because... I mean, Jane deals with very real issues and especially like with her mom and there's drama, but you just know it's going to be okay. And there's just this gentleness to middle grade that's super comforting right now. That sounds so great. I um, have a whole little stack of Austin pastiche that I want to read soon, and I will definitely be adding that one to the stack. I think that you're going to love it so much. <laughs> My next read is not comforting, but it is beautiful. I, I should have said up front that I intentionally chose not to talk about any of the books that are on the Aspen Words long list because they're on the long list. And that means you know that they're fantastic and we'll definitely link to the long list here. So these others are either were submissions that... I, I loved but weren't right for the prize or just extra things that I read. And this one was so good. And I think a lot of readers would love it. And I just haven't seen it around that much. It is The Prettiest Star by Carter Sickles. And this is a family story. It's set in the 1980s in Appalachia. And it's about a young man named Brian, and he had left this town in Appalachia to move to New York City, mostly because he's gay, and his family very much did not accept that. But he's been gone six years, and he has just been diagnosed with HIV, and he writes to his mom and basically says all of his friends are have died or are very sick and he doesn't have a network in New York anymore to take care of him and he misses his family and he asks to come home. And his mom says, yes, of course. You can come home even though she knows her husband is going to be kind of upset about that. And then it, it follows their family and Brian has a younger sister who's in high school and is kind of, you know, confused about and considering her own sexuality and identity and their relationship is just as a sibling relationship is so tender and poignant and I I loved that this was a story about healing and forgiveness but it didn't it doesn't wrap up in a neat tidy bow it's not like um it's redemptive for sure and there's hope for sure but it's also sad and it felt real to me that not everything would be smoothed over as easily as we might like it to be. So I just thought this book was so beautiful. The writing is stunning. It's a great intimate portrait of a family. I think if you liked 
books like A Little Life or Rebecca Mackay's The Great Believers or even um, The Heart's Invisible Furies by John Boyne. This book isn't as funny. It isn't as tinged with humor as The Heart's Invisible Furies, and it's not as depressing as A Little Life. It's kind of in between those, but um, similar similar ideas being conveyed here and similar sense of grief, but redemption. So that, again, was The Prettiest Star by Carter Sickles. You really grabbed my interest when you said The Great Believers because that's mm. one of my favorites. I loved that book. So. I loved it too. And it it was really interesting to see a book about – I mean, I haven't read a lot that takes place in Appalachia, but to see this kind of like intimate story about how the AIDS crisis might have touched like a, a, a family or community – in rural Appalachia. I also think, I mean, now that uh, Hillbilly Elegy is like back in the news because the movie is out, I think if you're looking for more stories, Appalachian stories, this would be a good one for that as well. Actually, that is a good segue to my next <laughs> book. We don't plan these, but... No! <laughs> it just worked out this way. I Okay, so preface to this... This isn't necessarily one of my favorites, which I'll explain, but I had mentioned it on the podcast in our anticipated Fall Reads episode, and since I read it, I wanted to circle back to it. I listened to She Come By It Natural by Sarah Smarsh. This is a book about Dolly Parton and the importance of her songs. I had already listened to Dolly Parton's America, which was a great podcast, and I didn't feel like I got anything new out of this book. I think that either reading the book or listening to the podcast is great, but you don't necessarily need to do both. Hmm. Makes so sense. I liked it. I guess I was hoping for more. So Sarah Smarsh is an academic, and this is... It, it doesn't sound like an academic text, but it is coming out of her studies. So it doesn't include as much like personal memoir writing as I would have loved. Mm. And I just, it wasn't much, it wasn't really adding anything to what I learned from Dolly Parton's America. So it was good, but I would... I would recommend the podcast over the book, unless you're just a Dolly Parton super fan or a music buff, then maybe the the book is well worth your time. But for me, who's just kind of like on the outskirts of, of that, like I, I enjoy music, but I'm not super obsessed with it. Dolly Parton is great, but I'm not a super fan. The, the book was fine. It's short. So it was, I mean, I listened to it in like, I don't know, a few hours. So it wasn't a waste of time or anything. I just wanted to sort of give a little update on how that read went and recommend the the podcast over the book for mm. sure. Yeah, I loved that podcast. It's a, a, li a little overproduced with all of the sound edits like Radiolab loves to do. Yeah, but there was a lot, but with I still being able to listen to her music. Exactly. That was fantastic. Yeah. All right. What do you have up next? I have 
All My Mother's Lovers by Alana Massad, another great family story. This one's about 28-year-old, 28-ish, I think, Maggie, and Maggie's mom, Iris, dies suddenly in a car accident. And Maggie and Iris weren't particularly close. Maggie kind of got the impression that her mother didn't approve of the fact that Maggie is gay, and so she has really complicated feelings when Iris dies. So Maggie goes back home and is planning the funeral and all of the arrangements for her mother, and in her mom's will, she comes across two things that are really important. One is that Iris left both her wedding and her engagement ring to Maggie's brother. And Maggie's very upset by that. She thought that one of them should be left one and one the other. And and she takes it as a sign that her mom didn't support her relationships or count her relationships as real. The other thing she finds in the will is a series of letters that are all addressed and stamped and ready to go. And they're all addressed to, to men who Maggie has never met or heard of. And she decides she wants to hand deliver these because she wants to find out who these men are and kind of uncover some of the secrets that she's starting to think her mother may have. And so she goes out on this road trip to deliver these letters. And I I really ended up liking this story. It felt a little manipulative to me at times, just like the conceit of the whole book with these mysteries hanging over your head of who are these men and and what is going on with Iris and her husband's relationship. They seem to have this great relationship, but Iris's mom was close with all these other men. And um, the the where the story ends up is so interesting and important and powerful. I think there is a lot of commentary about sexuality and the way we put restrictions on love and relationships. And I just thought that was fascinating. Um, And yeah, it's a really, it's a compelling family story. I I sometimes get annoyed when authors like leave things hanging that don't need to be left hanging or kind of pull you through the book through these sort of seemingly manipulations, but it was worth it. I think that this book really It's just really powerful and and very different from other family stories I've read. So that is All My Mother's Lovers. All right. What is your final favorite for us today? This one just could not be more different from the serious (laughs) books that we've discussed today. This is How to Catch a Queen by Alyssa Cole, one of my favorite romance authors. I love her so much. And this is the first book in a new series called Runaway Royals, but it is connected to her series, The Reluctant Royals. Some of the characters from The Reluctant Royals show up in this book in a really fun way, but you don't necessarily have to have read any of her other books to get a lot out of this one. This is the book that I listened to on audio right after the election results were um, announced and it felt like the perfect book to listen to not just because romance is such a good escape from reality and like 
was a good like recovery space for my election anxiety to go away. But also because the main character, the the hero, I should say, is a king of this imaginary, I mean, Alyssa, in the book, it's not imaginary. Alyssa Cole came up with this imaginary world, kind of like Wakanda, where it's this non-existent African nation. And so this king is taking the crown and grappling with what he was taught and the kind of ruler that he wants to be and sort of bringing his nation into a new phase. And there's just, it's a surprisingly political book. But then there's also, of course, this great romance. So Shanti, his queen, she married him and then he basically ignored her. And, you know, it wasn't like a love match. So he just, he didn't want to get too attached. And there are reasons for that. There always are. (laughs) But she really wants to help him rule. Like she wants to be a queen and she wants to play a part in shaping the nation's politics. And so they come to an agreement and it's it's really fun. I think I think a sort of trend in romance novels or something that romance readers really like to see are romance novels where the couple is married and they have to navigate their relationship within their marriage. Mm. So that's the case here. But there are a lot of complicated subplots. Not that it's hard to follow, but just that I don't want to get too far into anything else. Just that it was a delightful, almost read like fantasy, but it's but it's not. There's like no magic in it. I just thought it was so good. And Alyssa Cole is fabulous. So that's How to Catch a Queen by Alyssa Cole. And I, I don't know if I have done it justice in explaining it, but all you need to know is there's this Wakanda-like nation, and there's a king and a queen, and they have to make their relationship work, and of course, it gets steamy. It sounds great. And I feel like I should have gone first, because that seems like a better note to end on than the last book I'm going to talk about, <laughs> which is fantastic, and I highly recommend it, but it's very serious, so... It is called The Beauty of Your Face by Sahara Mustafa, and it is a book that takes place on dual timelines. In one of the timelines, we meet Afaf, whose parents were Palestinian refugees. They moved to the U.S., and we see Afaf grow up and kind of figure out her femininity and her faith within both her Muslim tradition and kind of the um, the American world that she finds herself in and come to see her like purpose as an educator. She becomes a, a teacher and eventual principal. And I loved that, that section. And then the present or contemporary timeline takes place at the school where Afaf is principal. It's an all girls Muslim school in Chicago and a white nationalist terrorist has entered the school and there's a a shooting at the school and so it's really intense and it alternates back and forth between seeing how Afaf 
you know, grew into the woman she is, and then seeing how she as principal and a mother of two students who are at the school manages that situation and how she copes. And it just, it feels like a really important book. I I think that it's very well done. Obviously, it's like about a traumatic subject, and so I wouldn't recommend this book to everyone, but I do think that she handles the book with and the subject with real uh, tenderness and nuance, but also like without excusing things. I it's it's really well done, and she's just Afaf is just a fantastic character, and it's really a great structure of the book to see both her coming of age and her dealing with like the most intense crisis anyone could go through. Um, and ha- kind of have those go back and forth. So I really, in- you know, enjoyed is kind of a hard word to say about a book with such an intense subject, but I thought the book was brilliant and beautiful. And again, this is another one that I am going to say this again, and it's true, is different from some other things that I've read. And so I, it stood out to me. It does sound really good. Yeah, it's, it's it- very good. I, I mean, I think this is 100% one of those books that is not for every reader and is certainly like for any reader it's about finding the right time to read it if you do want to so that's the beauty of your face well let's quickly go over our winter season and give a little sneak preview before we wrap up here because we have a lot to look forward to we are diving into a mix of cozy and empowering and atmospheric reads for our winter season. And I'm really excited about them. Yeah, me too. I We're getting really cozy in December and then kind of, like you said, moving into some empowering and, and really great atmospheric books in the new year. So in December, we're reading My Antonia by Willa Cather and Little Women by Louisa May Alcott. Those are going to be really fun to talk about. And then in January, we are reading Sister Outsider by Audrey Lord and 84 Charing Cross Road by Helene Hanf. Which I can't believe you haven't read before, and I can't wait for you to read it. I know. I can't believe I haven't read it yet either, and I've had it sitting on my shelf for like three years. It's so good. And then finally in February, we are reading There is Confusion by Jesse Redmond Fawcett. And The Bloody Chamber by Angela Carter. And that's where I was hinting at some fairy tale episodes coming your way. Yeah, we went on Instagram Live for the very first time. It was your first Instagram Live ever, ever. Mm-hmm, it was. And we shared our winter preview there. We saved it in IGTV so you can go and watch if you want some more details about those books. And we got to answer some questions. It was really fun. So it was I think so we're fun. Yeah, we'll definitely do that again. And I don't know why I was kind of nervous about going on Instagram Live, but we Me shouldn't too. have been because no. we have such sweet listeners. I know we our listeners have been are nervous. The best. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll definitely do that again. And on that Instagram Live, we hinted that we are working on some Patreon stuff. So over the course of this winter, we'll continue mulling all of that over. Yes, and and we said, and we really mean this, that if there is 
particular content you might be interested in paying a few dollars a month for to get from us, we want to hear what that is. I mean, we we have some good ideas that we're thinking about, but we want to know the kinds of stuff that you all are looking for, what sorts of bookish and classics content you love. So you can always email us at novelpairingspod at gmail.com if you want to share any suggestions with us. And we'll include our winter books in the show notes along with every single book that we mentioned today. Those will be available at novelpairings.com and visit there for more blog posts like our gift guide. In case you missed our gift guide episode, just head over to the blog post where you'll find super easy clickable photos to help you navigate your holiday shopping. Thank you to Michelle Timmons for her assistance and to Miles Eichner and Mark Anderson for our theme music. Next week, we'll be back with an episode about all of our favorite audiobooks of 2020. You do not want to miss that one. Until then, we declare after all, there is no enjoyment like reading. How much sooner one tires of anything 